Welcome to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode of Opera for Everyone, we're listening to Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi. And it's so exciting. This is a lovely opera, very easy to listen to. There's going to be at least one familiar tune, I'm guessing. Excellent. Yes, which everyone will be tapping their toes to. I'll give you a heads up when it happens. In fact, Verdi knew that it was going to be a toe tapper, the smash hit of the opera. So even though you could argue that the song could easily have fit right in the beginning of act one, he he waited, he put it into act three. It's a three act opera. And so, yeah, you'll know this one. Okay. Uh, we'll see which, uh, which category of advertising it was used in. <laughs> what products? We've got cars and you, beers you and always trash bags. You always seem to know that. Well, <laughs> I spent a lot of time looking at advertising. So that's true. That's true. So Rigoletto is the first opera in what is usually categorized as the middle period for Verdi. Okay. Opera for Everyone has also taken a look at Il Trovatore, which was the second of the middle period operas. We don't, you don't really need to order them, but they're both from the middle period. La Traviata, I believe. Mm-hmm. Opera for the Everyone is also... The Fallen Woman. Yes. And there are others, including Aida, Don Carlo. In oh, this I period. always forget that Verdi did Don Carlo. Yeah. That's a good one. We'll have to get we to, need that to that one, do that too. One. Yeah. Yes, we do. We absolutely do. So this is an opera from 1851, which premiered in Venice. Mm -hmm. The libretto was written by Francesco Maria Piave. Piave. I think. Fancy. That's how you would say it. That's how I would say it. Cool. But the libretto is by him, but the story. Is timeless. Is by none other than the very famous author. Shakespeare. Nope. Uh, From France. uh, Oh, Ah, uh, Les Miserables, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, I'm awful, Pat. <laughs> Victor Vic- Hugo. See, I knew I, you it could just get takes it. a moment. It I takes knew a moment. you could get it. Yes. So this thanks is, for believing in me, Pat. I I do believe in you. Thank Keely. you. Thanks. <laughs> this is from Victor Hugo's um, the story, and it follows it sort of even more closely than a lot of these opera transitions or translations of plays or stories do. Le roi s'amuse. The king has a good time. Le the roi, king. right, yeah. Yeah, he has a good time. So it's that that was written in 1832 by Victor Hugo. This is an 1851 Interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I think we should get into the story a little bit, but remember to ask me how the opera was received and, and the process of making it. I, it would spoil things if I told okay. you now. And I don't like to spoil things. I no want everyone to have a good, good time. So should we start with the story here? Yes. Set us up for the first aria here. Well, our our lead character, our, our title character, Rigoletto, is a baritone. Mm-hmm. So we've learned that that tells you a little something. He's kind of a bad guy. Well. Or maybe he's ambivalently bad. Yeah. Let's leave it there. He he's is. complex. He's complex. And the other main male character, the Duke of Mantua, Uh he's a tenor. And is Mantua uh, in Italy? Yes. Okay. What I can tell you from the Victor Hugo story, which then becomes Rigoletto, is they did change the location and the status of the Duke. Okay. Le Roi s'amuse. He's the king. The king. in, In the Victor Hugo story. And here he's just a lowly duke. Well, dukes are pretty pretty high up there. He's a duke, 
In Mantua, interestingly, the Duchy of Mantua no longer existed in the 19th century. Okay. So it was kind of safe to put it in the fictional realm. Mm-hmm. So nobody's feelings would get hurt. Yeah. Or so it didn't seem like too much political commentary. Yep. As it did when Victor Hugo wrote the play. All right, so we have listened to the overture a little bit, Mm -hmm. and I think we need to meet the Duke, because he starts off and he introduces himself at this lavish, beautiful party that he's throwing. Ooh. So let's listen to Cuesta Uquela, this woman or that woman. Oh, he's got a lot of choices. All right, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL, and we will be listening to Cuesta Uquela. (laughs) which is the Duke's introductory aria from Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verde. La costoro avvenenza è quel dono di che il papa l'infiorò e la vita soggi questa mi torna gradita forse un'altra, forse un'altra domani lo sarà un'altra forse un'altra la costanza tiranna del cuore detestiamo quel morbo, quel morbo crudele se chi vuole si servi fedele e non favor no no se non me libertà dei mariti il geloso furore degli amanti ismani <laughs> derido manco d'arrivo i centocchi di sfido se mi punge, se mi punge una qualche beltà se Sente la fiamma d'amor 
So who's Lady Pat? Oh, just one of the many ladies there at court. So any named characters? So well, she's the Contessa, and she is really there as a representative of all of these women that the Duke seduces. And she is she's there because she's caught the Duke's eye, and she's giggling, and she's telling her husband not to be a pain in the neck about it. Mm. So, so the Duke, because... There's this social hierarchy, and the right. Duke is at the very top, and he's throwing the lavish party. And he's single. He's And he's young, too. Yeah. But he likes the ladies. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he behaves badly. There's just no two ways about it. Okay. He behaves badly, and he really doesn't mind humiliating the husband who's standing around. And just after we stopped the music, there's this wild cackling laughter, which is our titular character, Rigoletto. Rigoletto is essentially the court jester. That's his role in the court Mm -hmm. with the count. And he has what I would describe as malicious humor. So he's he's kind of there to make the Duke laugh and really to kind of egg him on. Mm -hmm. He's like a mean girl, only he's a jester in like this sort of 19th century. He, He is not at all kind and he makes the the count who's or not excuse me not the count the duke no the count the count the countess is the woman who's being flirted with by the duke flirted is a mild way to put it and the count is already humiliated Mm -hmm. and rigoletto just twists the knife salt in the wound twists the knife the whole deal so he's he his introduction to us is is maliciousness exactly exactly and in fact the opera even before the song that we played started the Duke is speaking to some of the people, some of the courtiers, the men who are with him and saying, ah, there's this new girl. I go visit her all the time in this slum. I haven't quite made as much progress as I want, but that's going to happen soon. And then he's got his arms around all these women and he sings a song about how I, you know, this woman, that woman. He's really just letting us know. He's a playboy. He is a big, big time playboy. And he's got this advantage of money and station where it's hard for the men who are so insulted by his behavior and even the women who don't necessarily welcome it, it's hard for them to do anything about it. But what we've seen so far is a lot of the women are quite happy to play along. That's what's being shown to us in the show so mm. far. And it's it's the men, it's the husbands or other... Who kind of get the short end of the stick. Well, yeah, absolutely. And they just have to suck it up and keep their mouths shut because he's the guy in charge. Yeah. Yeah. But does it remind you a little bit of another opera we did? Well, I was going to say Don Giovanni. Yeah. There are little pieces of it that do, but but Rigoletto is no Leporello. <laughs> oh, Leporello. Long-suffering Leporello. Yes. Yes. Long-suffering Leporello. So there's there's little bits of similarities in the idea that there's criticism to be had for the guy in charge who takes advantage of other people's women. Mm -hmm. But 
this plays out very differently from Don yeah, Giovanni. Because in in Don Giovanni, he was a he was kind of a bad guy, Don Giovanni. And Leporello wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He just kind of went along with it, but he didn't really like it. But what so you're there's... saying is Rigoletto like likes it. I'm not going to respond to that right now. Okay. Uh, what I told you is what I've told you so okay. far. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so what happens next, Pat? We've got we've got the uh, well, the, the Duca de Mantua. Wait, our introduction to Regoletto mm -hmm. is that he is twisting the knife, putting salt in the wound of this aggrieved Count. husband, mm -hmm. and we also see the courtiers reacting to him, mm -hmm. and they don't care for him because they find him kind of nasty and malevolent, and also they find him ugly. Oh, he's hunchbacked. So he's he's got a physical deformity mm -hmm. and he is the butt of their jokes. But it's they feel empowered to do it, maybe because they think that's OK. And maybe because he's a pretty nasty piece of work. Right. In court as well with with the way he mm -hmm. treats his humor. So that's Rigoletto. And one of the courtiers comes in after Rigoletto's out of earshot and says, ah, I just learned something fascinating, you guys. You'll never guess. What? You'll never guess. You'll what? never guess this thing I learned about Rigoletto. Tell me. He has a lover. Shut it. That's what they say. Is she blind? Well, we haven't met her yet. We okay. just hear the boys gossiping about it. And then enter the Count of Monteroni. Oh. And he is in a foul mood. So he's not as high as the Duke. And he's from a different area. He is from a different region. And he is he is serious and angry and scolding. And I think let's just hear his song and we'll explain it in a minute. Okay. So this is the Count of Monteron in Giuseppe Verde's Rigoletto. And he is singing, I, I demand, demand to speak to him. I demand to speak to him. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt that Italian, Pat. Yeah, just play the song. Just play the song. All right, you're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. Yeah. 
That was some serious rabble-rousing. Well, <laughs> you heard that serious voice in the beginning. He was not happy. He is angry. He was incensed. He is profoundly angry. He's apoplectic. He wants to let the Duke know how angry he is. And he starts out by saying, I demand to speak to him, meaning the Duke. And he says, yes, my name should make you shudder. And Rigoletto the court jester, mm-hmm. starts mocking him. Ooh, not a good move. I demand to speak to him. <laughs> right? So you know how that's going to make yeah, him react. Yeah, Rigoletto might get punched in the face. He says, you've conspired. This is really, Rigoletto says to him, buddy, you've conspired against us, and we forgive you with compassionate clemency. What's the matter? Are you still obsessed to reclaim your daughter's honor? So instantly we know what's happened. Oh, the Duke deflowered his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Duke. Right? And and Monteroni is just another insult. And he's just totally in a lather. And he says, even if you send me to the executioner, because after all, the Count outranks him so profoundly. The Duke outranks the Count. I'm so sorry. The Duke outranks the count. Yes. Yep. So so our Duke of Mantua, our bad boy playboy, mm-hmm. he, he has the authority. He could, in fact, send this aggrieved father to the executioner. He says, even if you do that, I would ask for the world to avenge me. And I would ask for the vengeance of God. And Rigoletto's like, oh, he's mad. He's mad. And the Duke says, arrest him. So he's going to start carrying through on that threat. We'll see how far it goes. Mm. But... He's going to start throwing, going through on that threat, and Monteroni is, can barely speak, he's so angry, and he says, I curse the both of you. Duke, it is unconscionable to unleash this vile dog at a dying lion, meaning... The Rigoletto. Rigoletto. And he says, you, you serpent, he says to Rigoletto, you mock a father's agony. Be accursed. Well... 
suddenly Rigoletto takes it a little bit seriously. Because he's being cursed? Because he's being cursed. Because there's a belief that he, that someone can call down a curse on another person who mm. has behaved badly. And it does shake Rigoletto to his core. And the, and the courtiers are all sort of like, oh, you've really, you've really kind of put a damper on our fun here. Mm-hmm. You know, to the Rigoletto or to the Count? Just they're it's like to everyone, right. you know. You're a you've you're, and, and Rigoletto especially they're mad right. at. You're a fun they, sucker because they hate Rigoletto. They really hate. Lig- I mean, as much as the the count, the aggrieved father hates Rigoletto. The courtiers seem to just hate him even more. Well, because they have to deal with him all the time. Because they have to deal with him and his snarky wit all the time. And the the little clump of the courtier says the curse cannot be removed. You should be scared, old man. You've provoked the indignation of most holy. There is no hope for you. A fatal destiny has been ordained for you. This is Rigoletto? No, this is what the courtiers are saying to Rigoletto. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's what, exactly what they're saying. And now, remember, I said to ask me a little bit about the when it premiered and how it was received. So before it went on, they had a lot of trouble with the censors. Oh. Because... For example, when Victor Hugo premiered the show in, in France, in France, it was about a specific French king from earlier times. But it was, in fact, about a real he once existed French king, Francis I. And it was deeply critical of the king because right. he takes his way with women and discards leads, them, leads all this destruction in his wake. And. The, he was forced to, the, the censors shut Victor Hugo's play down, and it wasn't played again for another 50 years. It wasn't allowed to be performed. Oh, wow. So Verdi knew that he was taking a risk by trying to do this particular show. Yeah. But he thought the Rigoletto character was so complex and so interesting and so rich in dramatic potential and his librettist agreed that they they went on and the, the theater that he worked with in Venice backed him because Verdi was already superstar at this point. But they did have to negotiate with the censors. That's why they, they changed him from being a king to a duke. And one of the problems they had had to do with this concept of the curse because it's not strictly in line with orthodox Christian teaching that a person can bring down a, a supernatural yeah. curse that 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 was that was actually one of the issues that was controversial about this particular show. Huh. And it was interesting. The negotiator from the theater company did such a good job with the censors that it turned out to be enough to change, you know, to not make it a criticism of a king, to make it a, a fictional duke. Right. And somehow it was OK that they left the bit about the curse in even though it was controversial. Maybe it was just a length of time that there didn't seem to be so linked with the church or something that it, they looked at it more as just like a a silly thing. We don't have an actual explanation. Don't know. And now we have ended the first scene in the first act. Okay. And we get to get moved to the second scene. Okay, so the so the count just got arrested, Rigoletto's cursed, the courtiers are happy cuz Rigoletto is displeased. That's right. That's right. And and then what happens? Rigoletto's work day is over mm-hmm. and he's going home. He's going to go home. 
And you remember what the courtiers... Papa cold one. You remember what the courtiers said about him? That he has a lover. They did. They said there's a lovely young lady who lives there. And like they really can't quite believe it. So he's on his way home and, uh, and he bumps into this sketchy character. Sketchier than him? Sketchier than him. Must be pretty sketchy. Yeah. I'm not even going to tell you this fellow's name because he sings it so much in his song. Let's just say he's very sketchy and he would like to help Rigoletto solve his problems for a price. Mm. So let's listen to this new character. By the way, he's a bass. Which means he's a bad guy. For sure. Oh, you're 
So that, that's his name. That's his name. Did the you baddie. hear him repeat it over yeah. and over and over at the end? Yeah. Speaking of advertising. Yeah, he's he's uh, keen on brand awareness. <laughs> that is exactly right. He's trying to drill that into Rigoletto's head because he said, I can help you out for a price. Rigoletto says, oh, it's tempting, but not now. Mm-hmm. He's like, where can I find you if I change my mind? He's like, I'm I'm around. I'm here. Just call my name three times. <laughs> that's more or less right. So he just drills that name into his head. Spadafuchil. Spadafuchil. Sounds like uh, ice cream flavor. A little bit. A little bit. So that's out in the street. And Rigoletto reflects when Spadafuchil has left. He reflects on what Spadafuchil does, Mm -hmm. an assassin for hire. And he thinks a little bit about his own life and what he does. And he says, we are the same. I use my tongue. He uses the dagger. I'm the man who ridicules, and he is the one who kills. So he's making that connection. And then he reflects a little further on his own life as he's still being rattled by the curse that this old man has put on his head. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, world, oh, nature, you made me wicked and evil. What a fate to be deformed, to mm-hmm. be a jester. Mm-hmm. So now we're working up a little sympathy for him also. And he says, my master is young and handsome and rich and powerful. And he commands me even in his sleep. Make me laugh, jester, and I must force myself to obey him. So he's, he's kind of pathetic. It's, it's, it's deeply pathetic, deeply sad, and he's essentially telling us I'm nasty because that's what my master said. Well, and it's what my master wants Wants, of me. Right. Because I mean, that's part of the benefit of having one of these jester people around is they can say the nasty stuff that the King likes to hear being said. I I just switched to King (laughs) that the Duke or King likes to hear being said, but can't really do it himself. Can't dirty himself to Mm -hmm. do it. So he's the one who does it. Right. Rigoletto. Well, it's interesting. You can always say something true easier with humor than you can to just say it straight. So even though it's also the fact that the Duke can't say it and that Rigoletto isn't the Duke. But it's not just truth that he's he's well, he's compounding the misery of people that the Duke has hurt Mm -hmm. and not necessarily justifiably so. Right. Okay. 
And he also, Rigoletto also reflects on the courtiers. And he says, I am vile. If I am vile, it is because of you guys. You're the ones who made me this way. Oh, because they're the ones, they're his audience. They're the ones that the And they're just always taunting and teasing him. And he's got enough brains in his head that he can shoot back at them. So it's just this nasty relationship all around. It's a toxic environment. It is a toxic environment. But good, good transition here. He says, but in this house that he's about to enter, I'm different. I'm a different man. So he thinks, yeah, there's that terrible curse. Is it an evil omen? Or is it just folly? Am I letting it get to me? And I shouldn't. But then he walks into the house and who greets him? His lover. This beautiful young woman. And he says, my daughter. And she says, oh, father. Aw, so it's not a lover. It's his daughter. No, but you understand what that means. No one at court knows that he has a daughter. Right. So the fact that there's this young woman who lives in his house. And she's a secret. She's a secret. And you can imagine why he keeps her a secret. Because he doesn't want to bring her into that toxic environment. Exactly. He, he doesn't want the Duke to know about his beautiful oh, young yeah. daughter. Oh, well, yeah. Right? Because then, then he would be like the Count of Monteron, and he'd be yes ticked off at the Duke for deflowering his daughter. Yes. Yes. And, he, and Rigoletto, the tenderness and sweetness between... Gilda, his daughter, mm-hmm. and Rigoletto is is touching. Rigoletto says, you are my life. Without you, what would I have in the world? And Gilda is just sweetness personified. What troubles you, father? Tell me, if something bothers you, share it with your daughter. And she she goes on. She's just like a healing balm right. to him. And Rigoletto says to her, don't ever leave this house. You know, when he kind of like stops to think about the outside world other than just the nice things she's saying to him. She she says, not even to go to church? Because it turns out they've been living there for three months. She's not allowed out of the house except to go to church. So does he let her go to church? She goes to church. Okay, so she'll continue to go to church and she'll spend the rest of her time just in the house. Yeah. No Game Boys. <laughs> no Amazon Kindles. No, but no iPhones. Turns out that you can see and be seen even in church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have that invisibility cloak yet. No, not yet. And you may recall the Duke mentioning in the beginning of the opera that he's been pursuing a young woman who lives in the slums. Oh, no. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Ugh. That's about to unfold. Gross. It is gross. It's completely gross. But at this point, Rigoletto's had this wonderful interaction with his daughter, and he needs to go out, and he calls Giovanna, who is her companion, her nurse, Mm -hmm. her guardian, you know, when he's away. And he sings a very sweet song to her, Lady, guard this innocent flower. I place her in your trust and watch her carefully. Don't let her purity ever be darkened. Sounds like a big job, seeing as how they live near the Duke. It is It is so much of a job. And Gilda's just, oh, Father, you're so sweet. You're so concerned about me. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. She's innocent is just like 
Yeah. In every respect. Mm-hmm. She is. She just doesn't. It's an understatement. She doesn't understand the way Rigoletto profoundly does what the dangers are. Mm-hmm. So Rigoletto has given his instructions to the nurse. He's getting ready to leave. There's somebody outside the house, and we know, because we're the audience, that it is the Duke. Oh, no. And he's got a little purse of coins, and he tosses it to Giovanna. Oh, the nursemaid. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. And he makes a a shush sound, like, Mm -hmm. don't say a word, and she doesn't. And Rigoletto got suddenly suspicious, and he, he says, well... Did anyone follow you all from church? And Giovanna says, no, no one. No one followed us from church. Not ever. That would never happen. And finally, Ligoletto says, oh, well, farewell, my daughter. And the Duke is like, what? She's his daughter? Because he recognizes Rigoletto. Right. And he's just put together for the first time that this pretty young woman that he's been pursuing. Right. She's just another bit of entertainment for him. She's the daughter of his court jester. So the Duke is in hiding, and he said goodbye, and Gilda knows that she sort of has been smiling at this young man in church. And she says this lovely song, which we're going to hear now, where she says, Giovanna, I feel so guilty because I didn't tell my father that that young man followed me home from church. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, let's hear Gilda's song. Okay.
So that was Gilda and the Duke of Mantua basically saying, Hey, I think you're cute. Hey, I think you're cute too. Yeah, a little a little deeper than that. And by the way, she has hey, no idea that he's too. the Duke of <laughs> She has no idea that he's the Duke. Oh. She thinks he's a poor student. Just like the cute guy at church. He's the cute guy at church. Okay. Yeah. In fact, when he she's singing to her her companion, Giovanna, she says, Oh, he's so handsome. He inspires love. And so when he shows up and kind of shoes Giovanna, Giovanna away, then that's when the two of them sing this song of love to each other. She's asking, tell me more about you. Who, who are you? He says, angel or demon? Is it important to you? I love you. Uh-oh. Yeah. He says, he's deflecting. Innocent maiden, we are possessed by an inseparable love. Ugh. Your fate is to be mine. Life is love, the sun of the soul, its voice, the throb of our hearts. Oh, dear. <laughs> She's a goner. <laughs> well, those are true words. Is she really? Our future, ours divine, is love that even the angels cannot approach. He is an experienced He's man. laying it on thick. He knows how to seduce a woman, uh, and she's a total innocent. She's an ingenue. She has no resistance to this. She has no understanding. She's taken in. She believes. And and I, I, I actually think in the moment the Duke believes what he's saying. But it's he's, possible. He's a very skilled man. He just He's a smooth operator. He is a smooth okay, operator. Okay, but here's my question. Yes. Where in the heck is Giovanna, and what's her deal? Well, remember Giovanna? What did the Well, Duke... he paid her, but does she have no moral compass at all? She's just like, I just want the money. Show me the money. <laughs> She's not a fully developed character here. So I can't give you huge insights into Giovanna. We don't see that much of her. She does come to Gilda and essentially go, is this okay with you, girl? She wants right. to know, Gilda, are you okay with this? Right. And so if Jill is okay with this, she might as yeah, well take the money and let I it know, happen. But still, I know. she doesn't know. She's not making informed choices. <laughs> You're right. I don't disagree. This I don't is not disagree. informed consent. It's not. And Gilda finally, Gilda, excuse me, finally presses the Duke for who he is, his name. And he makes a name up. And so she sings a love song to this fictional in, person. Yeah, Goldia Malde. Could he have made up a better name? That's a horrible <laughs> name. Well, she thinks it's lovely. Oh, I guess. She thinks it's so handsome <sighs> and adorable. Um, <laughs> My and, name is Rumpelstiltskin. And he he has to take his leave, and she's entranced. She's learned his name. He's said all these pretty words to her. Oh. She's just can't wait till the next time she gets to see him. And... Frump frump in the street, in come Rigoletto, the courtiers. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, not into the house. They're just like tromping Outs, around. They're just outside. They're, the, they're just outside okay. the house, and they see her as she's watching the Duke walk away. As she's like going, oh, there he goes. Oh, they and see they her and they go, that there she is, and they think that she's Rigoletto's lover, and now right. that the Duke is tapping that. 
Right. Well, no, they didn't see the Duke. Oh, they didn't see the Duke. They didn't see the Duke. They see her. Okay. But because they've gone to play a trick on Rigoletto, whom they hate. Ugh. Okay. And they're plotting and they're planning. And then Rigoletto shows up. And he's like, hey, you guys, what are you doing here? Exactly. And they're all chattering amongst themselves. And they go, ooh, a double triumph. Let's kill him, too. Oh. Jeepers. And the other Wait, guy are says, they going to kill Gilda? And, and the other guy says, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just abduct her and we can laugh at him tomorrow. That'll be way more fun. Oh, that's exactly Boy, what they're, they do. They're nasty pieces of work. They're nasty they? pieces of work. That's what they do. There's a lot of little details, but suffice it to say, they trick Rigoletto to make him think he's helping them abduct the Count's wife. Oh. So working for the Duke. And they trick him him to make him think that that's what's happening. Uh-huh. And right at the end of Act One, they have abducted the young woman, the one who is, in fact, Rigoletto's daughter. Right. And he thinks he's helped abduct this other woman. Uh-huh. And right at the end, he hears his daughter screaming, Father, help me. Oh. Father, help me. And he realizes he's been duped. He's been duped by this group of nasty, nasty courtiers. courtiers. And that's the end of Act One. Do, do we get to have champagne now? <laughs> Probably, because Act One is longer than the other two acts together. In fact, you know what? Let's listen to just a tiny bit of We Shall Achieve Our Vengeance Quietly, which is the last song in Act One. Okay. You're listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's program... We're listening to Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi. So that was Gilda being taken away, being kidnapped, essentially, by the courtiers for the Duke of Mantua in Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi. Well, they're not doing it on the Duke's orders. They're doing it on their own to mess back, with Rigoletto. To mess with Rigoletto. So they're, but they're going to take him, take her to him, yeah? Correct. Yeah. In fact, 
Act two opens at the Duke's palace. Yes. And the Duke is agitated because he says, oh, she's overwhelmed me. I can't resist. I'm so in love with her. And he said, and yet when I went back to see her, the doors of the house were open and she was nowhere in sight. What could possibly have happened to her? Oh, so he returned. He did. So they, they, he came in, he gave his money to Giovanna. They had their little like duet together where it's like, I like you. I like you too. And then he left and then she got kidnapped by his courtiers and Uh then he went back and she wasn't there. Right. And now while he's lamenting all of this, or he's telling us about it, all the courtiers walk in like a bunch of bros and like, (laughs) guess what we did, Duke? We've seized Rigoletto's lover. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. And he's like, wait, wait, she's here? Tell me, where, where do I find her? Where do I find her? And they, they want to say, like, no, no, there's a really good story. Rigoletto was there and we tricked him. They're so proud of themselves. They are so proud of themselves. But <laughs> the Duke is relieved because now he knows he can go find her and spend time with her. Yeah. And <laughs> but wait, does he still think that she's Rigoletto's lover or does he? No, he heard, remember, that he heard them say, goodbye, father, goodbye, daughter. So he knows that. Oh, okay. She's the daughter. And now that she's at the palace, all is going to be well as far as he is concerned. And let's listen to his song, The Power of Love Calls Me. He says, I must possess you. Finally, she will know who it is that loves her. She will know who I am. Oh, 
You're listening to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for a mainstream audience. It airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station. Opera for Everyone is hosted by me, Keely Heron. And me, Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. Welcome back to the second half of today's episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And on today's episode, we are listening to Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi. At the end of the last hour, we launched into Act Two with the Duke professing his love for Gilda, who is abducted. But you know, Keely, you need to tell us more than that because it is the top of the second hour. Why do I forget? Opera helmet time. You need to put on that opera helmet and recap. (laughs) You would think that after, how many episodes have we done? Like a lot. You would think that after this many episodes, I would remember that at the beginning of the second half, we've got to do the opera helmet quiz. It always amazes me that you don't, but I know. here we it, are. Here, You know, I got a mind like a goldfish. It's like every single moment is new. And yet you do really well with these opera I recaps. Try. I try. Okay, so we're set in Mantua, which is a kingdom in Italy that no longer exists, but we're set in sort of the 1700s, I believe, something like that. And we're at court. We're at the court of the Duke of Mantua. And his court jester Rigoletto and Rigoletto's daughter Gilda are living in the slums of Mantua. And we meet the Duke of Mantua, who we learn is a playboy, and he's young and wealthy and handsome and very popular with the ladies. And then all of the courtiers are amused by this because they're all kind of gross and it's sort of like this toxic environment. And Rigoletto is the jester and he's a hunchback and he's not very attractive and he's kind of mean. And it's kind of because the courtiers are mean to him and he needs to make the Duke laugh. And so the Duke laughs at things that are kind of mean. And then we learn that the Duke has deflowered the daughter of the Count of Monteron. And the Count of Monteron has come in and complained to the Duke and said, I'm really ticked off at you for deflowering my daughter. And then... That's really scary music when he does that too, isn't it? it? Yes. <laughs> and then Rigoletto is like, Ooh, I'm really mad that you deflowered my daughter. And then the courtiers are all like, Ooh, poor guy. And then the Count of Monteron is like, Rigoletto, you're a jerk and I'm going to put a curse on you. And then the courtiers are like, Ooh, there's a curse on Rigoletto. And Rigoletto is kind of checks himself because... He thinks that that's possible, that there could be a curse. So the court is done for the day, and Rigoletto goes home, and on his way home, he runs into the bass singer, Sparafucil, who says his name over and over and over again, like Rumpelstiltskin, and he's the bad guy, and he is an assassin. 
And he says, hey, Rigoletto, I could take care of this problem for you for a price. And Rigoletto's like, mm, sounds kind of expensive, but I'll keep it in mind. And then Sparafuchil goes away and Rigoletto goes home and he opens the door and there is his lovely angelic daughter, Gilda, who soothes his wounds, his psychic wounds, and she's just lovely and angelic. And we learn that the only place that she goes outside of the house is church because Rigoletto doesn't want her to be subjected to the toxic environment at court. Or the world at large. Or the world at large. And then we also meet Giovanna, who is Gilda's, I guess, sort of like caretaker kind she's of referred nanny, to as a nurse her or nursemaid or her yeah. companion, somebody who's like making sure that she stays out of trouble. But what we learn is that at church, Gilda, Rigoletto's daughter, has been making googly eyes at handsome young man who it turns out is actually the Duke of Mantua. And so at the beginning of the opera, the Duke of Mantua is like, there's this lady that I'm working on and she lives in the slums, but I really like her. And coincidentally, it turns out that it's actually Gilda, which is who is Rigoletto's daughter. And then he creeps at night and then Rigoletto is getting ready to go out to do something, shopping or whatever, (laughs) maybe practice some jester skills. And he hears Rigoletto and Gilda saying, goodbye, father, goodbye, daughter. And then as they're doing that, he sees Giovanna and catches her eye and gives her a bag of coins. And Giovanna's like, I got you, Duke. And then... No, but she doesn't know he's a Duke. Oh, no. I got you, cute, handsome guy from church. And then Rigoletto leaves. The Duke comes in. He sees Gilda. She's like, oh you're so cute he's like oh you're so cute too and they sing this lovely duet and then he leaves and then there's a kerfuffle outside and it's the courtiers and presumably they're all kind of drunk and they're carousing and they're just a bunch of bros and then they hatch this plot to get back at Rigoletto because they despise him and they think that this beautiful young woman is his lover So they go to kidnap her. And then in the midst of all of this, Rigoletto comes home and they make him think that it is the Contessa de Ciprano, who is this woman that the Duke was flirting with at the beginning of the opera. And they get him to help them kidnap who he thinks is the Contessa, but it's actually his own daughter. And then they bring Gilda back to the palace and they're like, hey, Duke, you're never going to believe what happened. It's hilarious. We kidnapped Rigoletto's lover. And the Duke is like, oh, that's not Rigoletto's lover. That's actually his daughter, the one that I'm creeping on. And so he's (laughs) super pumped about that. And that's kind of where we left it, right? You know, until I heard you recap it all, I didn't actually focus on how much plot had happened already. Plot happens, Pat. Plot happens. Well recapped. Good, good opera Thanks. hat work. Is that five out of five? I, I'm not. I'm out of the grading I business. Didn't fi- <laughs> I didn't figure. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, so we're into Act Two. We've had our champagne. We've had our snacks. We're back in. This is a three act opera, so there is a little bit left, at least, for the second half of the show. What happens next? Well, it's a new work day, so Rigoletto has shown up for work, and there's Rigoletto, and Rigoletto is acting like, yeah. 
nothing's wrong, but something's very wrong. And they're kind of watching him and commenting on. And this is the song that I actually quite like this song from Act Two, where there's just a lot of la la, la la, la la. Right. It's like it's like kind of whistling to kind of like act yep. nonchalant when you're not really feeling nonchalant. Whistling past the graveyard, as well, it were. Hopefully it's, you know, not not yet anyway. So let's go ahead and listen to Rigoletto trying to play it cool and the courtiers having a great laugh at his expense. Povero Rigoletto a lot of la la lying on Rigoletto's part. It's a lot of la la lying, but it doesn't sound very lighthearted, does it? No, it sounds kind of intense. It's very intense because he is looking as he's trying to play it cool pretty unsuccessfully. He's looking for clues because he can't let these nasty men know that 
they've really they've gotten, gotten under to his skin in a big, big way. So he's Duke. looking, looking around, and he asks about the Duke, and oh yeah, the Duke's still asleep. And a page comes in, and long story short, the page is looking for the Duke. And they're like, he's still asleep. And they're like, but the page says, but he was just here a second ago. Um, Is he out hunting? What's he doing? And Rigoletto realizes that something is fishy. And he turns to all these courtiers, and he starts pleading with them. Please let me have my daughter. Daughter? And they can't believe it, but they still think it's hysterical that they've gotten his goat. Poor so Rigoletto. Says, yes. That young girl, she is my daughter. He kind of vacillates between threats and pleading. Yeah. Threats and pleading and explains that she's the most precious thing in his life. And then he gets angry. You are a damned vile race, you courtiers. That's what he says. Huh. And he sings a song about that. So he's so distraught. Yeah, he's kind of just flailing around unhinged. Yes, and he asks for pity. Return the daughter to this old man. She's my only family, he says. Mercy, I beg for mercy. So I don't know about the cause and effect, but Gilda appears. Father, father, and they hug. And she says to him, father, I was dishonored. And Rigoletto's about to completely lose it at this point. Oh, no, what did you say? And she explains essentially that she was flirting with this young man. In church, oh. and he followed her home. So she, oh, so she in other words, thinks that that's really bad. Yeah. So we're good. We're good. We're still in good territory. We here. think so. I mean, there's there's potentially a little bit of ambiguity, but but that's how it reads to me. Okay. So he's taking a deep breath. He's like, <laughs> okay, all right, honey, you're forgiven for that. I think let's go home now. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna lock you in the house forever. <laughs> But they're still they're still there in the Duke's palace, aren't they? Yeah, and exactly. he and everybody knows now that that's Rigoletto's daughter, and she's beautiful, and she's beautiful, and the Duke is into her, and the cat's out of the bag, and now what's going to happen? Well, there they are, still in the palace. Yeah, and some guards come by, and they're leading a prisoner through from one place to another. Guess who the prisoner is? Gilda. Monteron. Oh, right, because Gilda's already there. Remember who Monteron is? He was the one who the Duke deflowered his daughter, and he was all torqued off, and then he put a curse on Rigoletto. Right, and he was arrested, you recall. Yep. And he suspects he's going to be executed, and he's still furious, but he sees a, a portrait of the Duke in the hallway, because mm -hmm. that's what you do if you have a palace. You have and portraits he, of yourself hung everywhere. Exactly. And he talks to the portrait and he said, so my curse has been in vain. Neither a thunderbolt nor a steel has entered your breast. Duke, you are still living happily. So he says all this and he keeps walking, having no idea what's happened with Rigoletto and the daughter and all of that. And Rigoletto kind of looks at him and looks at the porch. He says, no, old man, you are mistaken. You will yet have your vengeance. Oh. Yes. Yes, a frightful vengeance. The fatal thunder of your punishment will arrive quickly, Duke. Like a thunderbolt from God, you will know that the blow came from the jester. Ooh. So he's saying this all like, this. This is like where scary clowns come from. <laughs> yes. Yes. And like it. Gilda looks at him. She's not heard the words, but she looks at him and she says, My father. What ferocious joy flashes from your old eyes. I love that phrase. 
what ferocious joy. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, it's like that paternal instinct to protect his young. Yeah. So what name is popping into your head right now? Uh, well, who's he going to call? Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Who's the guy with the good branding instincts? Sparafuchile. Yeah, the man to solve your problems. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of Act 2. All right. Are you ready for Act 3? What What happens next? Well, it is a dark and stormy night. Ooh, all good stories start like that. <laughs> or some, anyway. Or Act Threes, perhaps. And we are at kind of a ramshackle, rundown place. Ooh. It is the home of... Sparafuchile. It is. Is and it? It is. And the thing I've neglected to mention but it would have been too much to ask people to hold on to that thought. So I'll fill it in now, is that when Spadafuchili had his first conversation with Rigoletto, uh-huh. Rigoletto asked, well, how do you pull this off? How do you make it happen? He says, I'm quiet with my dagger. That's a very quiet way to murder someone. And I distract them because I have a beautiful sister and she'll stand on the road and dance and entrance them. Oh. So you need to know that Spadafuchili has a sister. Okay. Madalena. Okay. That having been said, on this dark and stormy night, mm-hmm. we see uh, Spadafuchili's hanging out, and Gilda and Rigoletto walk up to the house, and Rigoletto says, Do you still love him? Meaning the Duke, of course. She says, Oh, I do, Father. Have mercy, Father, because she has an inkling of what's going on here. Right. Rigoletto says, but, but daughter, if I could convince you that he had betrayed you, would you still love him? Well, she's an innocent. She says, honestly, I don't know. But I know that he loves me. I know that he loves me. He said, well, let's, let's look inside and see what's happening in this house. So they're kind of looking in through the window. And the Duke is in another one of his disguises. He's not a poor student this time. He's a cavalry officer. Oh. Yes. <laughs> He's got a whole costume box to pull from, huh? Yeah. He, indeed he does, because he, he does this all of the time. And she's looking, and she's seeing him. There's wine there, and it looks like he's with a woman. And Rigoletto says, yep, these are his usual adventures. And now we have the Duke singing the song that I mentioned. Oh, the showstopper, the, the toe tapper. The showstopper, toe tapper. People were literally singing it in the streets the day after this opera premiered really? in Venice. Literally singing it in the streets. It's a good one. And Verdi knew it was a good one. In fact, it was only a couple of days before the premiere that he even let the tenor singing the song hear the song, see oh, the song. Oh, because he didn't want to leak it. He didn't want everyone to know what he wanted people to buy tickets to come. He sure. wanted a sensation. He knew what he was doing. And this, this was that song. I can't wait to hear it. So let's listen. This is the Duke. It, it's reminiscent of that song that he sings in the very beginning of the opera about. Quello, how, quello or whatever. About how he loves the women. Mm-hmm. And this is all women are capricious would be one translation of it. Like a plume in the wind changing their thoughts. Interesting, right, that he's blaming this on women. Well, I'm not going to get political, but... Let's hear the song. Okay. If you've just tuned in, you are listening to Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's program, we're listening to Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi. 
somewhat ashamed to say I can't remember what the commercial was, but I have a vague feeling that it was pet food. <laughs> that, that this song was used to sell pet food? Yes, or it was some kind of like kid asking their mom if they could, like it was like stovetop stuffing or something like that. Wow. Like in the 80s. I know. I know. Wow. It's, a, it's, a, it's a sickness. <laughs> anyway, so that was impressive. <laughs> That's you know, and I I can just see Pavarotti. Or, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like. Oh yeah, no, it's a it's a tenor dream song. I yeah, think it's a showstopper. It's fabulous, and you can see how you would hear this, and you could potentially throw articles of clothing at the singer. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say, but <laughs> sure, <laughs> like your hat or maybe a pair of sweaty socks or something, or a hanky. But I said hanky. Oh, okay, so. What did he say? What was he saying? Well, he was just saying, essentially, it was the same concept as what he was saying in the first act. But he says the women are are changeable. Capricious. Capricious. Their face is always amiable, but in tears or in laughter, they are always deceptive. Something happened to him when he was a kid. Well, he's just looking for someone to blame, right? Yeah. Misfortune always awaits one who trusts a woman or one who confides in them. Must mm. be cautious in his heart. One can never achieve full happiness if he never tastes love. He's kind of like George Clooney before he met Amal. You know, like I just didn't going really from woman follow to that. Woman. You know, <laughs> okay, whatever. Okay, so he's he's still searching. He's justifying it by saying that it's all women's fault. I think you nailed it right in the beginning when you called him a playboy. 
Well, that didn't take any, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, Pat, but <laughs> that didn't take a whole lot of work. You nailed it. You nailed it. So you heard those two lower voices right at the end of that track, right? Yes. And that was Rigoletto and... Sparafucile. Right. Sparafucile walks outside to talk to Rigoletto because he knows he's there. And he says, your man is in there. Does he live or does he die? And Rigoletto says, I'll return later when the deed is accomplished. Interesting. Meaning when after you've killed him? Exactly. Oh. Exactly. And so... We see him embracing and canoodling with Madalena. Madalena. Him meaning the Duke. Flirting, which is entirely different from the little sappy love songs that Gilda and her young student, a.k.a. the Duke, were with each other. Madalena is a woman of the world. Mm -hmm. She knows what's going on. No, she knows what's up. And so he's like, hey, baby. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you have the air of a lord, a true libertine. We'll dig there. Mm. And there they are, back and forth, back and forth. And the Duke continues to sing, Every wise person indulges in the pleasures of love. Don't excite me too much. These are all lines from the libretto. (laughs) And he takes her hand and he compliments her and he carries on. And and we see Gilda getting more and more upset. Because she's watching all this from outside. Oh, betrayer, she says. Betrayer, how can he be that way? Rigoletto says, is that enough for you? That wicked traitor. She can't even have a conversation with her father because right, she's, she's so upset. Right, she's all whipped up. She's whipped into a frenzy. And the Duke continues to try to seduce Madeleine, a beautiful daughter of love. I am a slave to your charms. Ugh. With only one word, you can console my... I mean, the man knows how to seduce, right? Yes. Come and feel my heart pounding. You. Madalena, again, she's not the young innocent. Ha, my heart laughs. Your jesting is so casual. Your game is so trivial. I know well how to appreciate, honey. I'm accustomed to a handsome man and such games. And Gilda comments the way he talks of love. I have truly witnessed his betrayal. Oh, my unhappy heart. And Rigoletto says, my daughter, he's not worth your tears. Don't worry, my cure will be a quick vengeance Yes, it will soon be fatal, and I will wield it like a lightning bolt. Listen Mm -hmm. to me. And these are instructions to her. Go home, take money, take a horse, a man's clothes to disguise yourself, and go to Verona. I'll meet you there tomorrow. I got to take care of this. So he's, because he knows if he does this, he's got to get out of town. He's got to get out of town. He's, you know, you're going to be safe, disguise yourself, take money, take a horse, Get out of town. Skedaddle. Get to Verona. And meanwhile, the Duke and Madeleine are having a lovely time inside the inn. And Rigoletto goes and finds Spadafucili and counts out the first half of the payment. Because that's part of the deal. You get half beforehand and half afterwards. Mm-hmm. And Rigoletto says, I'll return at midnight. And Spadafucili is like, oh, that's okay. I'll throw him in the river myself. Rigoletto says, no. I need to see the body. I, I want to do it myself. Oh, really? I, I want to throw him in the river. Oh, I'm going to throw him in the river. I no, no, he, he doesn't want to kill no, him. Well, he wouldn't have to pay if he wanted to kill himself. But he wants the pleasure of throwing the Duke's dead body into the river. Mm. And Spotify Chile says, sure, you're paying the bills, whatever okay, you whatever. want. 
<laughs> He's like, are you sure you're going to be able to do that with that hunchback that you got going on there? <laughs> no, he, he does not. He does not insult Rigoletto. And that's actually kind of tells you a little bit about the character here. I mean, he's, Spadafuccio is not one of these courtiers who thinks he's all wonderful and hot. He's a businessman. He's got work that he does. Mm. It's not his job he's to make fun of people. He's not around. No. 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 And Spadafuccio says, okay, whatever you want. Uh, could you tell me his name? And this is a very powerful moment in the opera where he says, yeah, you want to know mine too? That's what Rigoletto says. All right, I'll tell you our names. His name is Crime. My name is Punishment. That's it. Really? Uh-huh. Aww. That's exactly right. Is all of this done in recitative, Pat, or is there music that oh. tells this story? I'll tell you what, there's more than just a, a little bit of song. There are quartets. Oh, you love a good quartet. I love a good quartet. We've got uh, the Duke and Madalena and Gilda and Rigoletto. Not, they're all on stage at once. They're not necessarily aware. Well, the people inside the house are not aware of the ones outside the house. Mm -hmm. But it is wonderful. There's one and then the second is even better. But It's all just going to blend together. We'll hear it. But I wanted to share with you a comment from Victor Hugo. Oh, you remember who he is? In he this. wrote the original uh, Rigoletto in France, and it was called Le Roi s'est amuse. Something like that, right? The king is amused. It amuses himself. Amuses himself, yeah. Yes, Le Roi s'amuse. He wrote this, it's a play, and there was one prior, I don't remember the name, there was one prior story of his that Verdi had made into an opera, and Victor Hugo was not a fan. And so mm. he was kind of grouchy about this mm -hmm. but he had to acknowledge himself when he heard this and this quartet that we're about to hear that it was an amazing thing that one could do in an opera that one cannot do in a play mm. and here's the victor hugo quote translated into english of course if i could only make four characters in my plays speak at the same time and have the audience grasp the words and sentiments I would obtain the very same effect. In other words, he was just like, oh, I can't make everybody talk at once because you can't understand them. Right. But a fascinating thing. You can make everyone talk at once. When they're singing. When it's a quartet, when they're singing in an opera. Mm -hmm. And you, you can understand what each one is feeling. In some ways, that's way more true to life the way that, than the way it plays out on stage if it's just a, a musicless play. A stage play, right. Because, because aren't we all having so... our all feelings while, well, this one's talking and that one's talking and everyone's reacting to what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, music has the ability to convey emotion in a way that words don't. But even so, there are words that accompany this music in this quartet. They're all going at it at the same time. So let's listen to that. Let's, oh, this, right. And this, remember, this is the drama of the flirtation and the anguish that uh, Gilda is feeling. And the murderous plot. Exactly. All rolled into one. All right, if you've just tuned in, this is Opera for Everyone on 89.1 KHOL. And on today's episode, we are listening to Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi. <laughs> Oh, 
Listening to 89.1 KHOL, and this is Opera for Everyone. And on today's episode, we're listening to Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi, and we are deep into Act Three here. Pat, what is going on? Well, right at the end here, you may have heard him say "La tempesta." That's the storm. It is near. The lightning is flashing. So this dark and stormy night that I alluded to is getting serious. Right. We've got lightning and. Rain is just Thunder. about to fall. It's it's a dark talk about external monologue or mm-hmm. I guess not monologue, but you know what I mean. Yeah, symbolism. There's a word for it that is escaping me right now. At any rate, Madalena is there with the Duke inside the inn or inside the, the ramshackle house. And she says, wait, 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 my brother's coming inside because he's been out talking to Rigoletto. And she's, she's starting to get different she's scared she's oh the thunder the thunder oh it's terrible and her brother comes in and she tells the duke you need to leave the duke's like i thought we were hitting it off there madalena why are you telling me oh you know what i just put that together that madalena is uh what's his name scaramucci no spadafacil that's his sister. I guess he needed better branding, huh? Oh, scatterbooch. <laughs> okay. No. So that's his sister, and she's part of the plot. She's part of the plot. She Copy knows, that. Okay. She knows what's going on, and mm-hmm. she was just messing with him before, but she's fallen for him. Oh, really? Yeah. Ugh. Okay. She's like, no, no, you really, you really have to leave. And the Duke's getting a little annoyed after all that. You're refusing me. Right. I'm... He's like, I put in a lot of work here, lady. How how could you do that? And Spadafuchil grabs his sister and quietly says to her, I have 20 scudi in gold right here. And he's going to get 20 more once he finishes right. the deed. And he turns to the Duke. You know, it's a rainy night. He says, Sir, it would be a pleasure to offer you my room. Let's go see it. Let's let's go. Let's go up there. And the Duke whispers something to Madalena, and we presume we know what he's saying to her. And Spadafucci takes him up there, and Madalena is distraught. Oh, the poor young man. Oh, gracious God, what a dreadful night this is. The Duke goes, well, while those two work it out, I'm just going to take a little nap here, a little bit of sleep. Mm. 
Because he's had a couple glasses of wine and maybe he's a little tipsy. And as he's going to sleep, he sings his little tune. That's exactly right. And Madalena says to her brother when he comes back, Oh, the young man, he's he's so nice. And he says, Yeah, he sure is nice. Look, I've got 20 Scooty because he's that nice. <laughs> and Madalena says, But he's worth more. So there they are. And Spatafuchia tells his sister, Please go get my sword for me. She says, Oh, but he's so handsome. And we see someone walk in from off stage. It's a woman dressed in men's clothing. Oh, no. Oh, I see where this is going. Okay. With boots and spurs. And she tiptoes close and she's watching. And she's like, oh, I can't bear it. My lover has betrayed me. Father, forgive me. What a horrible night. Oh, Lord, what a fate. <laughs> and we're all getting pretty sad and pretty nervous for her. And Madalena says to her brother, who she's still trying to talk out of. Talk about a fuchil out of killing him. Exactly. But that young man, he he looks like an Apollo. I love him, and he <sighs> loves me. Let's reconsider. Let's not kill him. What are we going to do with him instead? And he tosses her a large sack where the body's going to go. Uh-huh. He says, mend this sack. There's a hole in it. Well, why do you need me to mend it? For your Apollo to be thrown in the river. And Gilda's comment while she's standing outside, I am witnessing hell. So does that mean that she's still in love with him or she's scared he's going to get killed or she's just upset because he betrayed her or what? Well, previously, as you'll recall, she has said, Father, forgive me. Oh, God, what a fate. So we're a little nervous for her. And back to Madalena and Spadafuchili in the house. And Madalena is still trying to talk him out of Killing murdering the guy, the man that she's in love with. Mm-hmm. And she says, okay, okay, I've got a plan. This is a great plan. You're going to love it. The hunchback already gave you money. 20 scooty. And he's coming later with the rest. Kill him. And then you'll have all the money, the full price. And I'll be thrilled. In other words, kill the guy who hired you to murder the, the duke. Right. Or the... Cavalry officer issue. Right, because they still don't know that he's the Duke. They do not. His name is Crime. His name is Crime, and he's dressed like a cavalry officer. Right. So just kill the guy who hired you. Yep. And spare the handsome young one. Yep. Makes sense. And she's she thinks that's a great plan. It's not a bad plan. Well, who's listening to all this? Ma, uh, Gilda. Yeah, the daughter. Dressed as a dude. Right. So she's hearing them plotting her father's murder. Yeah, and she's not into that. But... Sparafuchil says, I'm not going to kill him. What devil speaks to me? This is my favorite line in the the play, I think. Okay. Am I a thief? He's he's so insulted. Am I a bandit? Have I ever betrayed a client? The man paid me, and I must be honorable. So he'll kill people, but he won't won't break break a contract. The client. No, not at all. He mm-hmm. was, he's in He has a code of ethics. He has his own special code of ethics. Makes sense. But Madalena continues to plead, spare the young man. And he's not going with this. And she rushes up the stairs. She says, Okay, I will let him escape from you. 
And Gilda, standing outside, is such a good woman. Oh, she's so good. Gilda's young. She is so innocent, this this little one. And Spotafugia says, we will lose that money. And Madalena says, yeah, that that's true. She says, he says, just knock it off. A deal's a deal. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Madalena, we must save him. And Spartuchil is getting tired of this nonsense with his sister. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost starting to be comedic. Well, Spartuchil proposes what he thinks is a ridiculous suggestion. Because you'll remember the weather, right? It's pouring, pouring it's rain. raining, mm-hmm. it's lightning. There's thunder. And Spartuchil says, okay, instead... Whoever arrives here at midnight, as long as somebody shows up at the inn by midnight, that's the one I'll kill. That'll be my body. And he thinks he's negotiated with his sister something that's never going to happen. Because she says, it's a terrible night. The heavens are angry, Mm -hmm. lightning, Mm -hmm. thunder. No one's going to come here at this hour. And the violent thunder is in the background. And we hear Gilda. Oh, what a temptation to die for that ingrate, to die, Father. Heaven, mercy. I, I don't know where this is going. I don't even know how to respond. Well, we're, we're quickly approaching the end here. So it's raining, it's thundering, and she looks in and she sees Madalena, who is distraught that she will not be able to save this handsome young man. Mm-hmm. And Gilda says, what? That woman is in tears. Ah, he's betrayed our love. I want to die for him, says Gilda. And she knocks at the door. You know what that means, of course. She's going to get killed. She knocks at the door and and Madalena says, someone's knocked. They just think, uh, uh, her brother says, "Uh, it's just the wind. It's just the wind. Madalena's like, no, I definitely hear someone knocking. And Gilda says, Knock, knock, knock. Mercy for a friar. Please give him shelter for the night. I just don't get this. It's all so confusing. Well, she's heard that the man she loves, cad though he is, the man she loves... Can be spared. Can be spared if someone knocks on the door and is the victim instead. This is almost like deus ex machina. I mean, this is, it's a little bit far-fetched. Is it just me? No, it's it's the it's the suffering of the innocent. Right, okay. That's exactly what it is. She's giving herself for him. Even though he betrayed her. Yeah. She's completely innocent, without stain or sin, and she's going to sacrifice herself for this very mortal, flawed man mm. who she loves. All right, well... Good for her. <laughs> well, not good for her, but <laughs> that's what she's decided to do. And they can't believe it, but it's actually a stranger knocking on the door. And Gilda also says, I'm about to die, my love. Heaven, I ask for your forgiveness. Father, forgive this unhappy woman. I save him to make him happy. So weird. Self-sacrifice for someone she loves. I don't like this. I don't like it at all. Well, it's heartbreaking, I think. It's completely heartbreaking. And, of course, as this is going, the the, the, the sound gets more intense. 
thunder, lightning, the storm, the singing. It's all super intense. I bet the staging is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It is amazing. And she continues, as they open the door for her, God forgive me. And that's it. Sparafucili does his work. And she's been stabbed. And guess who comes on stage now? Rigoletto? Yeah. Rigoletto comes in and he is triumphant. Vengeance has finally arrived, he says. He says, world, look at me. This is a jester and indeed a man of power. And he remains under my foot. I have true joy. My greed has vanished and my vengeance finally arrived. And he grabs the sack and he's dragging it to the river. And he hears that signature song of the Duke. And it's the Duke singing it. And the Duke can't be singing if he's in the bag. The Duke cannot be singing if he's in the bag. Unless he was an amazing ventriloquist who could do it while he was dead. He's not. So should we listen to that? Yeah. Okay, so Rigoletto realizes that the Duke isn't in the bag, it's his daughter. He's opened it, and he has seen his daughter, and it's hit him like a lightning bolt. Gilda is not 100% dead. This is an opera after all. Oh, really? She's been stabbed. She is dying. Oh, she's dying. Okay. To be sure. But we always have to sing a little something before the death actually occurs. Right. And this opera will end on this duet with Rigoletto and Gilda. And she says, Father, I'm sorry. I deceived you. I loved him too much. And now I die for him. And Rigoletto says, Frightful God, she herself was struck by the darts of my righteous vengeance. Forgive him for me, she says. She's still pleading for this cad. (laughs) Father, please bless your daughter. I'm going to heaven to be near my mother, and I will forever pray for you, Father. 
and Rigoletto is just frantic with grief. And his final word of the opera is the curse. Oh, from the other guy. The curse worked its Magic. awful work. Yeah, I guess. Well, there you have it. There you have it. We can end on that little bit of that duet. Okay. All right. Well, you've listened to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. I'm Pat Wright. And thanks for listening. And we'll go out on the final aria of Rigoletto by Giuseppe Verdi.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Opera for Everyone. I'm Keely Heron. And I'm Pat Wright. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. And like our Facebook page, Opera for Everyone, where you can also send us a message. We know that opera can be challenging. But everyone loves a good story. And a story set to music is even better. That's why our mission is to make Opera opera for for everyone. everyone.